Welcome back to the second hour of Love, Babs, Love Talk. I'm Babs Rose Ivy. I'm delighted this morning to talk to uh, Oni. <laughs> I guess I should say your whole full government name. but Nah, nah, nah. We don't need to put that on the interwebs, Bab, but I appreciate you. <laughs> we, we, we know Oni as the... So Oni is the responsible for managing CT uh, Next full array of strategic economic development programs focusing on fostering entrepreneurship, startup, and growth stage businesses while cultivating a robust innovation ecosystem on behalf of the state of Connecticut. High five. (laughs) (laughs) So your task, your task with making Connecticut look innovative and uh, a good place for startups and ingenuity and all that kind of stuff. That's your task. Yep. 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 Yeah. I want to make it as easy as possible for anyone with an incredible idea to launch it in the state of Connecticut. Um, And just any type of programming or opportunities that we can build to make that easier is like what our goal is. So CT Next, we've been around for about six years now. I've been in this position as ED for about a year and some change. Uh, And it's been eye-opening and enlightening to say the least. So tell me, tell me some of the most eye-opening things. And 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 tell us where do we fare uh, against other other states that are doing innovative, that that are centering and committing to innovation. Yeah, yeah, that's a good question. So, um, I think there's a couple things really that that has come to mind that I thought has been pretty interesting. I think first and foremost, um, the opportunity and the resources in the state of Connecticut. You know, I had a coffee roasting company and coffee shop in downtown New Haven. And when I was starting my business, I had no idea the type of resources that were available in terms of loans, grants, business support. Um, And there's a conversation to be had at the state level to really think about what it means to the relationship between accessibility and availability. I think oftentimes information is very available to us, but it's not necessarily always accessible. And really making that change, I think, has been really eye opening. Um, another thing is just like Connecticut state politics, really trying to understand how to navigate through these systems, um, especially as we're in a legislative session now, thinking through what the opportunities are to really have more entrepreneurs have a voice at the state level, um, whether it's around opportunities for increasing access to capital, increasing workforce development programs, diversifying talent across the state, I think all those things are really, really important as we think about our role in all people leveraging the innovation entrepreneurship sector. I think things like Eric Clemens doing this stuff with bio and diversifying, that's pretty incredible. Um, And then in terms of how we fare in other states, uh, you know, really excited to think through what the opportunities are for us to do more work in places like Boston, New York, uh, and kind of the tri-state area in New England. I think we're in a very good position in terms of resources and just doing a better job of understanding how we can take full advantage of that. Mm. So so when, so when we, so, so this is not just uh, like an SBA kind of thing. This is, this is what exactly? Like, like who, who are you, who, who consider themselves innovative or startup or what does that look like? Like what kinds of things are you looking for? Are you looking for things that are tried and true? Are you looking for things mm. that are new and different? Are you looking mm. for people thinking outside the box? Are you looking for people who are, uh, you know, making the box better? <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, I think all of the above, you know, what we kind of frame it is we're looking for groundbreaking companies. 
So growth oriented, usually tech enabled. Um, but we also know in order for us to get to the next generation of maybe venture backable companies, we really need to do a better job of understanding what we can do in order to help support small to medium sized businesses. So I think mm. that's been huge on our end. Um, but we're really looking for businesses that can scale, that can create jobs, um, whether folks are coming into Connecticut to launch them, or ideally folks have been born and raised in Connecticut, and we're giving them the resources to continue to have that generational wealth and continue to really build that footprint for themselves and their families in this nutmeg state. So those are the kind of big thing, but really all businesses, all businesses, but with a primary focus on potential tech enabled venture capital backable businesses. Mm. So are you, uh, because I, in the last few years, I've seen a lot of um, intro to business kinds of programs mm. start up, right? Like known and, mm. and there's stuff at the uh, uh, collab at the lab yeah. and uh, stuff at the library, SBA people, there's all mm. kinds of people starting doing these kinds of startup. Now, does that, does that help you? Does that, does that fuel you a little bit? Oh, 100%. 100%. I mean, a lot of those businesses or a lot of those organizations we sponsor. So we provide funding to a number of those organizations, Collab, Known, um, the library was a part of early CT Next funding. So that's exactly what we try to do. All of those things that you pop up, we try to play a role of either providing some real dollars, financial capital, or you know letters of support, putting them in the right places to succeed. So really that's, ex I mean, we're fueled by the work that these organizations and our entrepreneurs on the ground do uh, to help make uh, large businesses, to help scale businesses, to help find and recruit talent. All those things are crucial to our success. So talk to me, how do you measure, how do you measure the success of, mm -hmm. uh, uh, of people, the startups and stuff like that? Yeah, yeah. So I think that takes a variety of roles. Um, I mean, one is careers, right? So we're kind of moving past jobs and really trying to understand what it means for our careers um, and to have really high level careers. And what I mean by careers versus jobs is, you know, you can careers to me is there's some type of upward mobility. There's an opportunity for you to get the job. And there is, you know, you can go here and get a promotion and do this and do that. Assistant manager, manager, just all those things rather than saying, okay, you have this job and you can only have this job. And the only way to go in another direction is if you leave your industry or leave that organization. So that's one thing that definitely comes to mind in terms of measurement evaluation. Uh, I think the number of businesses started in the state, the number of businesses that uh, last past three years, the number of businesses that receive venture capital money, um, the, the, we do a lot of federal programs. So the type of dollars we get from federal, federal grants, um, it's kind of those things that we're really, really interested in and in providing more opportunities for. So mm. that's how we're kind of measurement and evaluating. I mean, we have a number of strategies. Each one has its own measurement and evaluation framework. Um, but overall, it's really about business growth and jobs. I mean, that's really how we're trying to make sure we do things at a high level. So, so this is all for Connecticut, right? So, so what happens in New Haven looks very different than say what happens in Avon, right? Like, yeah, yeah for sure, for sure. Yeah, right. Well, talk so. a little bit about about I don't know the disparities, the diversity, the distinctions, all the things that sort of uh, uh, make all of Connecticut unique. And how do you how do you pivot and shift through all these different kinds of 
uh, opportunity, uh, different opportunities that people want to put in place respective to where they live? Yeah, that's a good question. That, that place-based strategy is huge for us, right? Like I was telling folks the other day, I was born in, born in Windsor, Connecticut, lived in Hartford for a number of years, and then moved to New Haven. So, um, you know, Hartford struggles with foot traffic. There's just not people on the streets. Like if you go to Hartford, it's, it's dead during the day, nine to five, and worse off, you know, after five, there might be a couple of happy hour spots, but no real nightlife. So, but there's a big insurance companies, there's a lot of manufacturing in the greater Hartford area. So, and there's a really strong creative arts ecosystem in Hartford. I would say what the, some of the most talented, diverse artists are in Hartford. And I say that specifically because I know New Haven has a really striving art scene, but what I've seen from the state level is that New Haven's art scene, although you know, a number of talented, incredible individuals. I think what makes Hartford a little bit different is there's little to no institutional support for artists and creatives in the greater Hartford and Hartford area. So because of that, they're able to be, I think, a bit more nimble and creative rather than I think a lot of the institutional money that's flowing into the arts ecosystem in New Haven adds, a, I think, a little bit of rigidity to it um, in the way that we see and interact with the performing arts and just creative arts in the city. So, you know, Hartford has insurance and it has, you know, in insurance companies and foot traffic. New Haven, there's an opportunity through bio, but there's also opportunity on the state level through food. City Seeds doing some incredible stuff. Shout out to Courtney and that squad, um, you know, uh, and, and really thinking through what the opportunities are there. Stanford, you have financial technology, you know, things like that. And then New London, Broughton area, you have the submarines, electric boats. So each one has their unique industry. And I think our job is to say, what are the ways that we can strengthen those industries? And what are the ways that we can diversify those industries in terms of individuals working in those places, businesses being launched? I mean, it's all those things that we look that that I think I find very interesting. But, you know, one thing I will say that's really frustrating is this rhetoric around Connecticut being in between New York and Boston. You know, mm. and everyone's saying it's between New York and Boston and these larger markets and we can never compete and rah, rah, rah. But I tell folks, I'm like, yo, last year I took an hour and a half drive from my partner in New Haven to Tanglewood to watch the Boston Symphony Orchestra play. I don't I don't I forget it was like Beethoven something, you know, charcuterie was fantastic. Bottles of wine, feet up, coolers out, little folding chairs, blankets. We had ourselves a good old time. <laughs> and then came back to New Haven that night, uh, went to sleep, woke up the next day and went over to see um, a, a spoken rendition of Tanasi's coats between the world and me. T.I. and a number of other individuals like almost had it be a, almost like a monologue with a number of other celebrities. And that was at the Apollo in Harlem. So as much as we talk about, you know, being between Boston and New York, Massachusetts, Right, Connecticut's uniquely placed as the only state that's both in the tri-state and New England. And we see that in our culture because we have a lot of the suburbs are very much like New England, right? Like the New England kind of old, I would say Puritan, um, like just good old fashioned suburbia where you have the cities, the Hartfords, New Havens, Waterbury, Bridgeports, that's more Jersey, New York, tri-state. <laughs> And all of those cultural influences make Connecticut a really unique melting pot. And I think that because of that, Connecticut has a really unique culture because 
were taking the New England LL Bean, Bean Boots Subarus with the kind of like Drake, you know, uh, uh, 21 Savage. You know what I mean? Like New York, Harlem, you know, Newark, shout to Jersey. You know, all those things make Connecticut, Connecticut. And I think what I found is that institutional leaders, they don't know the city side of Connecticut. They live in the suburbs, they operate in the suburbs. So they don't understand the unique competitive advantage that comes from primarily black culture that's being, that's influencing a lot of how Connecticut operates because they're just not in those spaces. So it's those things are like, you know, investing in things like Sweets and Sounds that Angel put on this past weekend at Next I heard that was fabulous. Yeah, yeah, it was incredible. I couldn't get there, but I heard it was, it's people are still talking about it. Yeah, it it was really incredible. And, you know, Angel came to me a while ago and she's like, Oni, I want to do this for entrepreneurs. And I said, you know, here's a, a check, get it done. And we were kind of like the lead sponsor to make sure that vision came to life. Um, this Friday, we're hosting the first ever Yale Black Venture Summit. Where I was we have, ask you about that. Yeah, yeah. So we have, uh, I think, five businesses pitching for 20K. The first time in Yale's history and the history of school of management that there was like a summit just for Black-led or businesses oriented around the needs of Black people, right? And again, this is CT Next coming in with the Yale Black Business Alliance and saying, there's a gap here, this, this university is centuries old, but we're not talking about the future of entrepreneurship and culture. So those are conversations that CT Next, I think is pioneering in the state that is getting us to be a lot more competitive and also a bit of a differentiator between other places. Oh, I love that. I love that. So, so how many people are going to show up for this? Do people register? Like, and, yeah. and, and what are the business looking like? I mean, are you pleased with the diversity and the number of businesses who are going to be pitching? Like, like what, what's your thoughts? Yeah, for sure. So I think right now we have around 300 people registered. Whoa. Um, so we're really excited Whoa. about it. Yeah, yeah. We're not playing around, I think. And that just shows the need. That shows the need and the want, right? I think if you build something that is, is fits the need, and the expectation of, uh, I would say, under-resourced black and brown people in the state, I mean, they come out. And, you know, I have a lot of conversations that they're saying, oh, we can't find enough black and brown-led businesses to invest in. It's like, because y'all not in the streets, like y'all not outside <laughs> talking to people, y'all, you're like, you're not looking, you're not looking, they're not in your network, you don't have those friends, and you're not doing the work to get there. Um, but I'm really excited about it. Um, we have, uh, I think, Again, four businesses pitching, I think five, yeah, five businesses pitching, um, all Black-led organizations. It's everything from uh, helping to reduce hair braiding time to helping to empower students with dyslexia to have accessibility tools online. So again, a wide path, right? Some of these businesses help solve the needs for uh, Black help solve issues in the Black community. Other of these are just Black-led organizations doing incredible work. Um, so really excited about it. I think the big thing is the keynote. Idris Sandu, who's a young 20-something-year-old tech evangelist who's done work with Beyonce, Jay-Z. Nip, he helped build Nipsey Hustle store. Um, mm-hmm. So really, I mean, and he and I popped, popped on a call yesterday and just a, a young, brilliant mind. Um, so the event, again, this Friday uh, at the Yale School of Management, free and open all day, breakfast, lunch is served, a number of panel discussions, business plan competitions and keynotes. So 
really excited for it. Really excited for it. Oh, I like it. So, so people from all over are going to show up for this, right? Like, hopefully, they're gonna they're just going to come like, and just take this in. And so, yeah. uh, so if this is successful and it already is, so do you start planning for next year's? Like, do you yeah. think about what, how you build this next year, and and what? Because I'm I'm sure you already know this is what I need for next year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And I think for us, you know, one thing that we're being intentional about is. You know, oftentimes what I found is that individuals kind of, they do something like this and the event is the thing. They come through, they host a big event and they're like, hey, we did it, we checked the box. But from our perspective, the event is just the opening the door to then provide more money to Black founders, more tax um, support for Black founders, more law and technical assistance. So for us, it's just saying, hey, Let's come in. Let's have a conversation on the state level of how we can support you as entrepreneurs, as a venture capitalist or individuals seeking venture capital funding. And then from there, let's be intentional that between now and next year, instead of 55 businesses applying, let's get 155 businesses applying because we built the ecosystem over the past, over the next 12 months. So really thinking about not just doing something for the sake of doing it, but doing it to allow for more self-determination and entrepreneurship and innovation ecosystems around the state. So mm. definitely planning for next year, but planning also planning for everything we're going to do every month until next year to make sure that it's even better and we have more businesses showing up ready for money. I love that. So talk to me about the political implications of this. How are you working with legislators? Are they mm. helpful? Do they, I mean, are they, do they want this? Do they like this? Are they behind it? Is it partisan? Yeah. Is it bipartisan? What is it? Yeah, I think it's very bipartisan. Um, and, you know, legislators that I've talked to, you know, um, uh, Senator Ritter, Senator McCory over in Hartford, they have been huge, huge supporters um, of this work and, and really happy to have them support, you know, Senator Fonfara as well. So I think for us, we're really interested in saying our mandate as an organization is to increase the number of high growth businesses in the state of Connecticut. And I think in, in order to do that, we have to increase the amount of money they're getting, the amount of support that they're getting, and who sees themselves as being a high growth entrepreneur. So I think the third part is crucial because it it's allows all or more people to look at them and say, you know what, I can, I can start a company like that and I can do it in Connecticut because we have these resources in a way that I don't think was as intentional prior to. And because of that, or due to that, that's more jobs, that's uh, more tax revenue, that's higher paying wages. So all of those things are helpful for the state of Connecticut to continue to remain competitive. Um, and everyone wants the state of Connecticut to remain competitive. So, you know, we've been getting a lot of support, a lot of support and a lot of people reaching out to us, just seeing how we can, how they can plug in. I mean, Senator Murphy's office have been increasingly helpful in what we do. So yeah, uh, a lot of support and you know, it's politics. You know, so there's also a lot of folks that I need to reach out to and have more conversations with to see how we can be more aligned and how we can be more helpful. Hmm. So um, everybody's talking about some sort of reentry component. And, and I'm starting to sort of see um, people talk to reentry folks uh, as entrepreneurs. Mm. And, and, I, and I'm sure that kind of floats by you on some level because um, you can't help it. Uh, particularly in the state where you know we are we are wrestling with uh, 
uh, reentry issues and, and, and how best to serve that population. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, one thing that CT Next supported in the past that I'm actually excited to continue the conversation with this uh, Matt Connell at University of Bridgeport started something called the ENET program that helped individuals currently incarcerated uh, and, uh, and recently incarcerated who have since got out uh, provide entrepreneurship education through University of Bridgeport. Um, so it's those things where, again, every opportunity we have to create smooth, clear, transparent on-ramps into entrepreneurship and innovation is something we're really excited about. So the ENET program and Matt Connell's work is really, uh, I think, really impactful and looking at ways to continue to support them, uh, whether it's financial or whether it's helping them find outside funders or letter of support, really, uh, and that's someone I, I need to reconnect with, but really continuing those conversations is really important. I love Matt's program. I think Matt's doing an incredible job. And I think University of Bridgeport is really innovative in the way that they're honoring the type of work that this is, that the type of work and the importance of this work um, at a high level. So yeah, it's something we think about a lot. Um, and not only that, but I think all under-resourced entrepreneurs, right? So there's folks uh, in the reentry population I think we're, we're really interested in. Um, I'm really interested in the indigenous population, right? I think oftentimes when we talk about, you know, BIPOC communities, uh, we don't talk about the, the indigenous population primarily in the New London Groton area and kind mm. of like uh, like Southern Connecticut. Um, also think a lot of opportunities around, you know, veterans, right? So there, I think there's a lot of ways that we can think about and CT Next can do a better job of meeting people where they are, understanding their unique opportunities and needs, and then bring them in to the entrepreneurship and innovation ecosystem. So when you when you inventory other states and what they're doing, is there any any states out there that you dig what they're doing and you're like, hmm? Ah, no, 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 not really. I mean, there. Uh, let me not. Oh, there might be like pockets of things that people are doing. You're like, there are pockets. There are pockets. That, that pockets, would work yeah. better in New there Haven, pockets, I know. Yeah. Or <laughs> that would work in New London, or that would work in you know somewhere here in yeah. Connecticut. I think, you know, I've been really impressed by Miami, Miami's entrepreneurial ecosystem, because they're focused on, they're looking at, you know, their immigrant population as strengths. They're looking at, um, you know, their cultural uh, assets and tourism as opportunities to leverage entrepreneurship. Um, so it's really interesting the way that they're framing. I think most importantly, they have, they're organized, right? At least from the outside looking in, they have large foundations giving large dollars, city of Miami, like in the tens of millions um, to really get this done in an organized way. So I think they're doing some impressive work. Um, I think Massachusetts is a really interesting case study because there's Boston and there's everywhere else. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? So, and I think, yeah. you know, I, I, I really appreciate it was really interesting to me to see after Lego left, how many people from Holyoke to Northampton to Springfield were like, this is awful for us. And I'm like, oh yeah, Holyoke and Northampton, Springfield, their economy is more closer connected to, I would say like Northern Connecticut, greater Hartford area than it is to Boston. So I'm like, oh, okay. Like how can we tap in with them and then really do more work to get us a bit more in line? Because I do think they're doing a lot more work and helping the Northamptons, the Walthams, 
um, the, the Springfields of Massachusetts have their own type of entrepreneurial ecosystems that may or may not be connected to Boston, but fits the needs of the people in that place. Uh, outside of that, you know, I think a lot of people look at the bigger markets, San Francisco, Austin, and I'm looking at that. I'm like, I don't want those housing prices. I don't want those housing costs. You know what I mean? I don't want that level of like poor transportation. I think there's a lot of things that the gentrification, I think there's a lot of things that um, happen to these large markets, the San Francisco's, the Austin's, the Seattle's of the world, um, based, on their, based on their entrepreneurial innovation ecosystems, not being equitable and not being tied into how a city actually operates. And I think that's something that we're really not trying to replicate here in the state. I, I, I'm, I'm starting to think about, you know, in, in what you're doing, I'm sure that you sort of see things rise up that you can say, hey, legislators or people who are in charge of running a whole state, uh, mm. we're starting to see this trend or this development. And I think if we could get in front of this, this might clear a path. I mean, are you are you in a position to sort of do that kind of, you know, yeah, tapping yeah. on people's shoulders? Oh, 100%. 100%. And, it, and it's, it's quite honestly a voice I'm trying to navigate a lot better. Um, because I wasn't political. I wasn't in these spaces until January 17, 2022. So for me, understanding how the legislative session works, understanding how to get in front of folks, I think it's hugely important, but for me, I think there's a couple of things, you know, just talent is huge. You know, I was talking to the head of the Connecticut Innovations, the venture capital arm of the state, and he was saying how 3,500 Connecticut-based jobs have been filled by out-of-state employees. So what are we doing to really try to ensure that these high growth companies who have these really well-off high-paying jobs are captured by qualified candidates in Connecticut markets? So he and I are working intensely on thinking about solutions for that and talking to the Senator Fonterres of the world and talking to individuals around the state who can really push the envelope and really push some creative legislation in front of the, of the General Assembly this year. Um, you know, another thing that's really interesting to look at, uh, how, we, how we honestly think about a restorative justice framework for cannabis. Mm. Um, I think there's just, it's those things where we, we can, we have the ability, we have the expertise, there's lessons learned from other states for Connecticut to really take the lead on. And it's, those are the things that from just a, 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 a consumer perspective, we can be better off if we change some legislation to make it easier and more transparent in terms of what it means to cultivate and get that cultivation into the dispensaries and get that out to the consumer. And then back end, making sure that we're being honest about who was hurt by the war on drugs and the war on black people through it and how we can really repair that damage done over the past several decades, uh, really since the Reagan era. So it's those the conversations that, they're, I mean, that's, as you know, they're intense, right? I mean, people don't wanna look at the, 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 the structures of this country in the face and really put forward some legislation to change it, remedy it, or interrogate it. Um, so, you know, my position is having those honest conversations to see what we can do to get to that next level. Mm. All right. So, so when you, when you start the new year, I'm, or when you're in your fiscal year, you start your new year, you start planning about this kinds of things that you want to do. What does it look like? Cause I, I went through your, your team and you've got a pretty impressive team, Oni. 
Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I just try to hire people smarter than me. So it's worked out so far. Um, that's a good question. I mean, our, our fiscal starts July one, so we're in the thick of it now. Um, I think what was really interesting is how much was learned in the past year um, through just conversations, through having a year on the job, through going through a legislative session last year for the first time. Um, so now with a year under my belt, I'm really excited to tune up this organization to fit the needs of the, the larger ecosystem, larger state. So it's about uh, looking at my team and saying, hey, y'all are closer to the entrepreneurs, to the businesses, to the ecosystem than I am. So you tell me what we need. And you shouldn't be looking at it in isolation. Go talk to folks, right? People know their problems. The people closest to their problems, people closest to solutions. So talk to entrepreneurs, talk to the organizers, talk to the union folks, talk to everyone and see what's rising to the top and how can we use our taxpayer dollars, the $13.5 million we get every year to really serve them in an honest and open way. Um, and that's the mandate that I have now. I told my team, you know, every month, at least once a month, you have to go to entrepreneurship event. It's mandatory we're working here. You can't be inside just reading think pieces. That's not how we interact with folks. We need to be in the coffee shop. We need to be outside. We have to have people know who we are so that if we do say no to the grant, then you have to see them at the next event and look in the eyes and tell them why, right? We can't throw a stone and hide our hand that I've seen a lot of times in organizations across Connecticut and across the country. It's that like radical transparency that can, can help embolden and embrace trust. And that's what it's all about. Mm. I, I have enjoyed this conversation. This has been good. <laughs> I want to come back more often and talk about all this good work because uh, I think this is, I, I love the fact that Connecticut has a real commitment to innovation and yeah. startup. Like that's, I think that's huge. That that says that Connecticut is thinking about its future. Yeah. Me, as far as I'm concerned. And, and I think um, that that can encapsulate a lot of different kinds of folks, women, uh, reentry, mm -hmm. uh, indigenous, BIPOC, all the things um, that can sort of uh, throw their hat out there. So um, um, what have you learned and liked so far at, before I let you go? <laughs> Um, what has been the greatest, the, 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 the thing that you like, I, you know what, this was all right. I'm going to get up and come to work again tomorrow. That's, good. <laughs> uh, that's a good question. Besides my team who I, I mean, I truly love dearly. I, 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 I put together all-star squad. I don't, you, I can look at anyone that they, and I'm I, like, I'm yo, impressed. thank it's you. Those, those are the homies for real. Like they are my people and I will do anything for them. Uh, so outside of my incredible team, um, Oh, man. I think a lot of what I do and a lot of how I present in the world, both professionally and personally, is just trying to be the model of, you know, a 12-year-old Oni living in Windsor, Connecticut, who had a dream of doing something incredible. I really try to just set the precedent for folks to understand that, you know, why not you? Why not us? Um, and I think that's what gets me up every day, just trying to set the table for the next generation to eat. Um, and, and if I can do that well, um, as well as I can, then, you know, that's that's a life worth living, in my opinion. Uh, so I think that's that's what gets me up. Um, the big learning to me is time and balance. I'm really trying to understand what it means to show up every day, be as forward facing, leading a team, um, understanding, taking to time and space to love and grieve and live and all the things that come with life. 
uh, as as you're navigating the world. So I think those are the kind of the two big things that that I've learned just a lot. It's been more of a leadership journey. The work is the work. I've done the work. I know the work. You know, I mean, it's easy because there's so much that needs to get done. It's like going into a really dirty kitchen. Like you can start mopping, you can start sweeping, you can start doing the dishes. It doesn't matter where you start. We just need to clean the kitchen. So, <laughs> you know what I mean? So that's always going to be there. <laughs> I do. Um, I do. But it's really about the leadership that I think has been the biggest takeaways. Yeah. Well, it has been my pleasure to spend time with you uh, a, couple, a week ago uh, at mm. Storytellers Week up in uh, uh, Cornwall, Connecticut. Yeah. Beautiful Cornwall, Connecticut, mm. under the auspices of of the uh, Groundstein Memorial Fund who hosted Story Week. That was wonderful. wonderful. And it was really nice to spend time with you and hear your stories. Mm, thank you, Babs. I appreciate you as always. Uh, and we'll find another time to talk about wine too. Oh yes, because you know what? We're going to do this thing. We got. Hey. I have been thinking about <laughs> it ever since. So yep. let's, let's get on the calendar and uh, listen to make it happen. <laughs> done and done, Babs. Appreciate you. Thank you so much, Orny. Say hi to your team and uh, thank you for your time this morning. Will do. Have a good day. All right. Take care. Thank Bye. you, Harry Droz. I'm on my way out, but y'all be good. Don't hurt nobody. Be good. And uh, look out for Issa out there door dashing. <laughs> I'll see y'all soon. Thank you, Paul. Bye. Hi, this is Babs Rawls-Ivy from New Haven, Connecticut, and you're listening to WNHHLP. 103.5 FM, streaming live at newhavenindependent.org. While COVID may not stop a baby's heart, isn't a child with a rising fever, cough, and chills enough to make your heart skip a beat? Children are 19% of reported COVID cases, with higher rates in Hispanic and Black children. Vaccinated six months to five-year-olds are 80% less likely to get COVID, which means 80% healthier New Haven one-year-olds and 100% happier New Haven parents. To learn more, visit nhvvax.org. Mm-hmm.